Welcome to the GNT Show. Alright, welcome everyone to another update to the GNT NRL show. Once again, I'm joined by my host with the most, a man ahead of the 2004 Grand Final. He was so excited, he bit the head off a chicken. He is just an animal for the dogs. A man, a myth, a legend, a person who today purchased a Nokia and Motorola to update his phone, G. I'm reliving the glory years. Indestructible. <laughs> like the dogs of war. That's how old my Nokia phone is. In every sense of the word, you are stuck in 2004. I did not buy bite a chicken's head, um, but I do feed the cat chicken necks. You do feed the chat cat chicken necks yeah. you know what i don't like i don't like you feeding them chicken necks in front of me though i think that's a bit weird a bit too much okay i'm not too bad this week but the good thing is we're back to the nrl so oh, the soap opera is back isn't it you know how they write stories sometimes and they kind of run out of ideas i think the nrl ran out of a few ideas for a couple of weeks but now we're oh, they're back. back with a bang their creative juices are going can i, can oh, I just yeah. also start off with an apology to last week's pod um, for those of you that were listening, so you would have heard the ambulance in the background in last week's pod. We don't know what murders and what things are happening behind G, but it's always fun to have the pod with him. It's great. I might not have phone reception, but if I ever need an ambulance, I can stand it, stand outside and wave one Just down. Just flag it down. Just hopefully they don't drive past me before I have the heart attack. So, another week of drama in the world of the NRL. Um, I'll start... Oh, we're back, baby. We're back. Yeah, it's a big, big week. So, I might start with um, some sad news and the passing of Tommy Rodonicus. Just an all-time real throwback to what league character. was. Just a th- character. It's what rugby league was in the 70s and 80s. And, I, you know, with the passing of Tommy, it's, it was very poignant for me because it's almost like we're saying goodbye to that era. Because of his larrikinism, you can sometimes forget that Tommy was an incredible footballer. Played for Australia, played Origin, was in the first state of Origin in 1980. Yeah. And went on to coach the Blues and, of course, the famous cattle dog call. You know, because we don't have all the footage of the old games, you do miss some of that. Like, the the footage that sticks with me is the one against Manly. I think it's a preliminary final where he just drops the ball and starts throwing punches. You know, and then you see him with the hair, he's balding, he's missing teeth. But that was toward a little bit more towards the end of his career anyway. But, you know, so I never really got to see him in his prime. But, God, what a character, even when he was coaching and so just totally blunt and straight up, which um, a lot of the stories, especially, like you said, he's very close to Roy Masters. You read a lot of Roy Masters' articles on him, he wrote a few, was about his honesty, which, you know, sometimes not always welcome, but it, it was great to sort of hear about him as a person. So a, a big loss and a big loss for the Magpies. So Vale, Tommy Rodonicus, you will be missed. Um, rest in peace. And um, I hope you're putting on the Newtown jersey in the sky. I do have one comment about the jersey tribute by the West Tigers. Can we cover it in the game? Yeah, we can. But I've got to... I've... I don't think they went too much effort. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of orange for the West Magpies tribute jersey. Now, I may have, may have been thinking the same thing when I was watching. The other comment, I have something else that came up this oh, week. I've got heaps. We, I've got heaps. You sent me a text. We grew up in the South Sydney area. Reggie Rabbit was a big deal. Apparently, he was assaulted. I broke this news to you. Now, you're stealing my thunder. Can we... Can we... I thought it was a joke. The other, the other big news was Jake Friend's retirement from concussion. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. I, I read in the paper that, yes, he's had 20 concussions over the course of his career. That you reckon he's probably admitted to? That's right. There's That's probably, right. I reckon, been a few that he's had that he hasn't said anything about. That's right. Really tough, gritty kind of player. Well, and, and probably his last three years have been his best three years of his career too, right? He, he really only fulfilled his potential in the last three years. And, and the, other, the mm. other one was Michael Morgan. Yeah, another one. Well, I mean, we've been saying it for 18 months on this pod, to be honest with you. He's looked like a shadow of the of his former self, to be honest with you. He's been an absolute liability on the field. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was something clearly wrong there because he's, he's complete, his shoulder's shot. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you could see something wasn't right. But because they never really, I suppose, spoke about it too much or he'd be out and he was, you know, injured, you never quite knew what it was. It sort of looked like he wasn't quite with it. Maybe he was carrying an injury. You're not quite sure, but it looks like his shoulder's been hampering him for such a long time that it affected his performance, like, tremendously. You know, someone who was considered to be somewhat of an elite player to, honestly, like, if just on form alone without knowing the injuries, you'd drop him. Yeah, he wasn't great. He hasn't been great for 18 months, two years, since we certainly been doing the pod so we wish them both well in retirement yeah tough transition tough transition hopefully they'll they'll live a long and fulfilling life with no post football injuries to speak of um the the adam reynolds contract saga is still going on as well oh god yeah Yeah, so you you mean that you mean the one-year option with an option in south's favor we're gonna offer him we're gonna we're gonna offer him a two-year deal it's different to a one-year deal it's just it's just (laughs) It's uh, these clubs, and then they put it out through their mouthpieces in the press, right? So it's just incredible. It's. A- I remember thinking, oh god, he's got a two-year deal. Then I read the the article, and I thought, how is this any different to what they offered? Of course, it's not. Of course, week. it's not. It's no different. It's a club option. So if you play well, we'll we'll take it up. So just ridiculous. Oh. Adam Reynolds, I'm almost certain now will leave. I, I don't think he can walk back from a million dollars a year for three years from North Queensland, who've now got room in their cap, uh, particularly with. The move of Josh Maguire, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but yep, and and the other team that I think he fits really well is the Brisbane Broncos. So the rumor is that they're in. Yeah, for him. oh, they need somebody. They're in yeah. for him as well. So both those teams would be a massive upgrade in the halves with um with 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 Adam Reynolds. So I, th- I think his days at Souths probably this is probably his last year. I think it's probably Souths' window to win the comp too. So we'll see how they go this year. Yeah, and I might move on to what we'll do, Josh. The Josh Maguire swap next. So there's been... Yeah. I mean, do you think Anthony Griffin's getting back his under-20s team from like 2011 or whatever he's trying to do? I read something today that they're now... If, if you look at the most experienced clubs with where their squad's got more than 2,000 games, it's basically all the teams in the top eight. So experience does equal your performance largely with one outlier. The team with the least amount of appearances in the NRL, even less than the Dogs, who were second... Is Melbourne was Penrith. Okay, yes. So, so they're, they're top of the table. They're, they're in the grand final last year and their squad's got about anywhere, maybe close to a 1,000 games less than some of the other teams in the top eight. And they're angry. Mate, if they, if they can maintain <laughs> that team, if they can find a way, this is a good test for the salary cap. If they keep all those players for the next four or five years, I think there's a few premierships in there for, for the Panthers. So it's, it's... I think for players that come up through the system... And through the grades, and you know, all teams have like an under 20 and a reserve grade team or whatever it may be, there needs to be greater discounts. Having said that, people say it's unfair, they get to keep those players, but then conversely, the players that are coming up after them are then able to be poached by other teams too, because they can't keep the youngsters as well as their squad together, but at least it gives them an incentive to keep the players that they've developed, you know, which I think is really important. It makes development 
imp- not just important, but also a long-term strategy. Well, that's right. So the Panthers, their squad, their, their NRL squad has played 1,304 games. The Roosters have played 2,605. It's half... Brett Morris and Josh Morris have probably the, played Half 1, the experience. The Raiders are 2,411. <laughs> the Rabbitohs are 2,406. The Dragons are 2,275. And with Josh Maguire, it's probably higher. So they've got a lot yeah. of experience. So they, there was a rumour that there was, there was a three-club deal involved at one point. Jake Clifford was going to go to Newcastle as part of that. And Josh Maguire was going to go to, uh, to Saints, which has happened. So one leg of that's actually fallen into place. Were any of the legs, the dogs, dropping Dylan Napper off somewhere in front of a stadium and driving off? No. No, unfortunately, I think I think I think I think we're gonna we're gonna adjust Bulldogs hour this week because um I think I think Parramatta half hour is gonna get a shot <laughs> this, this this week so we'll see okay. we'll see what happens so I might move on to the the news that's been hogging the headlines over the last yeah. couple of weeks um or since the weekend obviously and that's of course um Craig Fitzgibbon taking over at the Sharks what a shamozzle oh. It's great. I'm not joining. Yes, he is. I just want to give a quick recap, and then I want to get your views on on the Sharks. Here's the Sharks. Since they won the grand final, they've had four CEOs. Shane Flanagan was kicked out and suspended from coaching. They had salary cap breaches, which forced them in the last two years to play with 350 grand each year under the cap as their penalty. So they've had they've yep. had a combined. 700 grand less to spend over the last two years. In that time, John Morris has taken them to, to the finals both years. He's done a pretty good job. Yesterday, they told him he was the front runner to be signed for next year, for 2022. Today, Craig Fitzgibbon's confirmed as the new coach in 2022. Of course, because John Morris turned it down and Craig Fitzgibbon <laughs> woke up this morning and said, <laughs> and I want then, that job. And then, and then they let the players know by texting them, John Morris is no longer the coach of the Cronulla Sharks. Training will proceed on Thursday as sh- as scheduled. Please turn up on time. I mean, we're talking about with the NRL, some of these NRL clubs being grossly mismanaged. Let me give you the Cronulla Sharks and how they've handled this situation. What a schmozzle. It is a schmozzle. I think they use text because if they had a WhatsApp group, everyone would just jump in and say stuff. So it's like we've got to send individual texts to everybody. It's actually a total debacle. I read that and thought, okay, you know, I know they're probably waiting to see how he performs, but to be honest, the Sharks have been not bad. They've also blooded a lot of players the last couple of years. And then on top of that, I mean, they're not elite, but their playing squad's not elite either. So what are your expectations for these teams? Well, the Sharks have got got more experience than the Eels, 2,250 games. You know, they've got the god of football, Sean. Sean Johnson, but he's injured, right? So he's been injured two years. He did his hamstring the year before, and then um, his Achilles last year. But they've done pretty well. And But then the whole week was, we're not going to sign Craig Fitzgibbon, but the rumours were so strong that they'd already signed him. And yet they're coming out in the press, you know, saying, no, we're not. We're signing John Morris. No, you're not. Mind you, do you know what Dino Mezzatesta's surname means in Italian? His surname? Half a head. That name and the way they've made this decision is quite appropriate. Where have you sourced this information from? Can I, is it Salve? Look it up. Look Was it, it Salve? I'm telling you, it might have been someone called Salvatore. It was yes. Salve. So, irrespective of what his name means in Italian, <laughs> Craig Fitzgibbon, great assistant coach in the Rooster system for 20 years. Cameron Feraldo is joining him as, and he was the, he's the defence coach at Penrith, and he's done a great job with that. But both of them are coming from very, very high-quality teams 
with highly developed structures, that ain't the sharks. So, no, I mean, the only thing counting in both their favour, I think, compared to their current jobs is they've got three million under the cap. They've got so many contracts coming up that whether it be Matt Moylan, Andrew Fafida, Sean Johnson, some of these guys that are taking really big money in the cap, they're all coming up. So um, they'll have they'll have a bit of money to spare, but I don't know who they go but after. But who they're going to buy is going to be a re- rebuild, right? Now, the rumour is, the rumour is, the reason why both were very attracted to Cronulla was apparently there is a good crop of youngsters coming through in Cronulla, really good crop of youngsters. So a bit like the, a bit like the Penrith thing. Because Cronulla is a bit of a nursery, right? It is a bit of a nursery for football. And that's your... The Shire, and that's that's your argument for keeping a team in Cronulla. Sports crazy, all sorts, even football. Yeah, well, they're they're one of the biggest football uh, communities as well. It, sports is a big thing down there um, for the families and the kids. So maybe that's what it is. But apparently, Craig Fitzgibbon incredibly highly regarded. You do have to wonder. I'm telling you, you know, Metsa Testa. Half ahead, I've heard. Apparently, according to Google, someone of limited intelligence. <laughs> Allegedly. Colloquially known, so yes. If that was seriously the the name, wouldn't you change it? If that's what it meant, wouldn't you change it? Some of these names, you know, you know when you know that a lot of places overseas that never used to have surnames, and some of the ones that they picked or someone picked for oh, them, yeah. you got to wonder, like, hey, hang on a sec. Like, girl, there was a girl in Stas's class, and I was like, hang on a sec, my limited Greek, is her name, surname Black Moustache? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Look, how do you get up with that? Betcha like when that. she got married, she was happy to get her surname changed. Oh, hey, do you want to change your name? Yeah, don't worry. It's already gone. Sorry, go. I'm the, I just call me Madonna. One name. The Brazilians are onto something with, you know, you've got a name of 64 names and you just call yourself Ronaldo. Edson Arantes do Giamento, call me Pele. That's of course. That's Edson, Edson Arantes do Nascimento is Pele's name. So Hey, don't mention Pele. He might come on the podcast and start selling stuff. So can we move on? Even the great man can have problems in the bedroom. Oh, the greatest World Cup commercial of all Ad time. Of all time. And of course, can we just get to the biggest news of the weekend? And for those of you that, that don't know about this, of course, the unfortunate um, roughing up of Reggie the Rabbit after the Buddies <laughs> game. The after the Buddies He's game. a South Sydney icon, mate. So the game was played at ANZ, which is just south side ground. No one from the Brisbane came down for the Bronco. Who roughed up Reggie the Rabbit? The police were looking at CCTV to see who roughed up Reggie Rabbit. I can't believe, was that the Brisbane game? Yeah. That is so funny. Do you know what? I'll tell you what, whoever roughed him up showed showed more punch than the Broncos. They certainly did. Poor Reggie. Reggie, if you're out there listening, our thoughts are with you. Oh, God, Reggie the rabbit. Oh. But I love the particular description. It's, people are on the lookout for the people that roughed up Reggie the rabbit. Did they shove a, did they shove a carrot in his mouth? Maybe because it was Easter. Maybe they took his ass. Maybe they stole something. His top hat. It took his top hat. Mate, if you're out there listening to this pod, give Reggie his eggs back. God, Reggie the rabbit. All right. All right. Well, I think we've covered up all the big news. Did you have anything that I missed? No. I mean, what, can, what, a what else can there be at the moment? We've had deaths, sadly, of an icon, two players retiring, pretty good players on for injury purposes. Reggie the rabbit's been roughed up, which is terrible. So now we're, now we're attacking mascots. And the whole debacle around John Morris. It's like, how not to handle the coach's sacking. And yeah, we forgot to mention, he actually quit. He did quit. Today. Yeah, he quit. Like he yeah, well, I don't blame him, right? He's been completely, he's been disgracefully treated. Look, look, even if you even if you wanted 
to change coaches, wouldn't you have handled this differently? Oh, yeah. Even if you wanted to change coach, like this has just been a schmozzle from beginning to end. Constant denials whilst the rest of the articles are website already signed Fitzgibbon. He's told the he's told the roosters that he's not leaving this year, he's going at the end of the year, and the sharks are denying. Yeah, no, we're still contract. in we're still deep in it's talks like, with John yeah. Morris. Just yeah, of course out. you are. But Fitzgibbons or Craig's already had a chat to the Roosters team saying he'll be there till the end of the year. That's ridiculous. It's awesome. Fantastic. Back to the 80s, mate. This is the glory stuff. Uh, and they've, they've fed these lines back through Paul Kent in the Telegraph about his mixed messages on recruiting and players that have cost him his job. This is all news stories leaked by the club to justify what they've done. The results speak for themselves. John Morris has done a good job with Cronulla. Is he going to be the coach that leads them to a premiership? Maybe not. And and it's the club's right to want to move in a different direction. It's just it's just abysmally handled. Oh, of course. And Paul Kent's in with the Roosters as well, so he would know. Well, that's right. So let's move on to round five. And we'll start off with the Thursday game, which was a tight contest between Souths and the Broncos. Um, Benji Marshall, <laughs> the Souths got up 35-6. was very close for the first I do have a question. Do you think if Reggie Rabbit was one of the 13 players on the field, the score would have been any different? No, but I think if he'd, if he'd fed the Broncos his eggs, maybe they would have defended a bit better. <laughs> ben, Benji Marshall started on the left instead of a suspended Cody Walker, and I thought he played quite well. He did. This is what Benji, at this age and this stage of his career, this is fantastic cover for the two hundred grand or two hundred and fifty grand they are paying him for this year. He's got the he's got the skill right, but he just doesn't have the speed to break the line all the time. And, and yeah. you can rest your halves against the weaker teams, which unfortunately the Broncos are. I thought Latrell Mitchell had a great game, despite what Wayne Bennett despite what Wayne Bennett said after the game. Said he could do better. He probably can, but he tore the Broncos apart. Two tries, one try assist, one hundred and fifty seven meters, eleven tackle busts. One line break, three line break assists, and one offload. That is a good night by anyone's standards. I thought Adam Reynolds also stepped up, as well as scoring a try, and he kicked the first two-point field goal in 50 years yeah, since the 1970 grand yeah. final. And I think it was actually Bob Fulton that kicked the last one. So so that's a rule they brought back after 50 years. The South's left side dominated the Broncos' right edge, and they went up, they, yeah, yeah, they went up 10-0 before the Broncos rallied off the back of some impressive play by Tom Dearden. He's looking like he might have something, the youngster, but he's, he's playing behind a beaten pack, it right? Needs, it needs time. It needs time as well. And But he was he did defend on their problematic edge, right, with New, Dearden and Coates. They were terrible down that edge. and They defense. have no idea out there. And no. that was Dearden, was, Dearden was part of that problem. And Tessie New looks like he's been dropped for this week, which doesn't surprise me. He was terrible in defence. Yep. The right edge of the Broncos, Milford, Kenar and Mead missed 15 tackles. So not just the left edge. But the right edge was terrible as well. So they've got problems defensively everywhere, the Broncos. I mean, it was just a shambolic defensive effort. I don't think South played that well, <laughs> to be honest with you. Again, they they weren't in top gear. No, they weren't, right? Like they, I think what happened to me watching this game is they got off to a, a flyer, right? They looked like they were going to rack up 60. I think they took the foot off the pedal a little bit because later on in the first half, what I noticed is they were still going through their progressions and reads, but it was a little bit more... Again, like a training run, like a yeah, pre-season don't run. Yourself. They're going through. Don't injure yourself. And the right-hand defense of the Broncos, they're young, but what I've found is they neither slide properly or come up properly. They're caught halfway in between. It's like they come up, but they still give South too much space and room, and then they're not sliding properly enough. So they're not doing either or. Either you come out and you hit, and you make them go around you and slide across, and that's Melbourne's defensive style, or 
you you hold and slide, but they were doing neither. So they kept on getting caught out by Johnson and Latrell. And like you said, I thought Latrell had a really good game. His involvement, I think Bennett just wants to spur him on to try and yeah, you I think know, raise right. his game further. But Reynolds did well. I thought, like you say, Benji did really well, but they were just too good. Too good. Too good. Like, you know, they took the foot off the pedal when they needed to. I think the Broncos did come back a little bit. Like, it was tight until the end. For it, was tight. it was tight right up until uh, the last 79 minutes of the game. And then I thought, <laughs> then I thought the Broncos really went, uh, The Bron- you know, Souths really went on with the job. After kickoff, though, bloody hell, was that a first good set? Was that first set good? Can we just record that section and play it for like half the remaining games of the year? <laughs> Some of these teams. It's great. It saves us time. You just Once a game kicks off, it's like, that's yeah, it. Correct. This is cool. Souths have actually turned up to run. We're going to talk about the Knights game. I mean, even, even, they couldn't even get that right, the kickoff, at the beginning of the game. So, But, but the Bron- look, the Broncos, they do have some talent. It's going to take some time for them to come into it, I think. Their halves are young. They're trying to get better. Milford's just been hammered. Kevin Walters came out and said it was his best game of the season. Kevy, what are you watching? He's watching the defence. He still missed Is five he watching, tackles. Um, Milford playing for the Raiders? Oh, oh. Or? <laughs> oh, Kevy, mate, he's off. Con- he's only twenty six. G. His career's shot at twenty six. Yeah, he's twenty six. Can you believe? It? He seems like he's been around for ages, but he came out. He's young. He's not old. Three hundred and fifty grand, four hundred grand will be his next contract. I mean, he's not worth a million bucks a year at all. No, I'd buy him as a backup. Mate, I think they've bulked him up too much to play back at fullback as well. I don't think they can move him back to fullback now. Well, after his fantastic performance and the best performance of the year, he's been dropped this week. So, very interesting comments. I'm with you. I think I mean, his what game think, when he what came Kevin, in... Does Kevy think people aren't watching the game? I mean, what, what does that mean? And, 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 and objectively, it wasn't his best game of the year. Like, I actually think that first half against Parra was his best game of the year. But you can see, look, there's a lot of players that are, you know, trying to pick up form and struggling for more. And the Broncos are in a bubble. Like, any of their players don't play well, and they are hammered by the press. They're the, they're the glamour club, right? So if you're not up to it at all, you get even... There's no patience for them. Not that they're young. It's like never good enough because they're so used to winning all the time that this is very abnormal. But I'm with you. I think he needs to change and go back to what he used to be like, where he was lightning on his feet and had great acceleration. That's kind of gone. But he's never been a great ball player either. So it's almost like they've taken away a bit of his strengths and tried to work on his weaknesses and develop that. But now he's ended up in a no man's They've tried to teach him to defend in the line and it just hasn't worked. And and in order to bulk him up to defend in the line, a bit like what happened to Benji Post towards the end of his career at the Tigers. Yes. They've actually taken some of his speed away. They've taken some of his lateral movement away and some of his unpredictability away. Add to that the way good the, comparison. Add, add that add to that the way the Broncos are playing and his confidence is shot. Like it's a lot. It's a long way back from here for Anthony Milford. Long way back. I think so. I agree with Can you. Can I ask you a question about this game before we move yeah. on? Was it really Anthony Seabold? Anthony Seabold? No, I actually think what I discussed last year is the expectation of the Broncos is so high, but it's not realistic. They're not. They looking, don't have the talent. They don't have the cattle. They don't have the talent, and they've got a lot of young kids but these kids take two or three years to develop especially when you've got to get 100 games that's right except for the panthers well the panthers are an exception right but having said that right nathan cleary has been around for three or four years right he's been around for a long time james fisher harris has been around for a while they're young the panthers don't have a squad where they're averaging 100 games right i i get that but the, the panthers have become premiership quality a lot earlier in the journey than you would expect. 
is what I'm trying to say. They they do, yeah. but they have got players that have been around for a few years that just haven't had as many games. So I agree with you, but they've, they've kicked... Like, Kikau was around for a while. Capewell's been around for years. Isaiah Yo was around for a while. Yeah, but they're all 23 or He's 22. He's really found his feet. Isaiah Yo is a bit older, you know, 25. But Fisher-Harris, I think what happened is they were blooded in very yeah, young. Correct. Like you say, like Melbourne. And over the course of... Three or four years now, they're at a point where they haven't played that many games, but they're they're ready. And it's just worked for them. Whereas I think it's the just Broncos, clicked. and it's clicked, of course. And and you've mentioned before, there's a lot of combinations that they've had growing up through the grades, so they've they've done that as well. Whereas with the Broncos, I think they've got the talent, but they're all coming through at the same time and all expected to kind of you know win every week, which is not realistic. I, I think so, the way the Broncos are playing may give Anthony Seabold a second shot at coaching because this is clearly this clearly wasn't him. I, th- I think it's clearly not him. No. Clearly not him. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I think when the Broncos get a run of games against some of the you know, teams around them, it'll be good to see how they go. So move on to the second game in round five. Um, this was played... Well, the Warriors soon will be going home, hopefully, if we've got a travel bubble. But I think this was played in the Central Coast. It was... they Manly actually won this game. Warriors versus Manly. Manly got up 13-12. It was a tight but scrappy game. Um, even the close games this year haven't been high quality games, and this was exactly that. In the end, statistically, there was nothing to split these teams. It was a scrappy game. It was a tough game. It wasn't pleasant to watch. DCE was the difference in the end with two key plays. For Manley's first try, DCE noticed two of Arsashek in the line and kicked the ball 50 metres from the scrum base on tackle one for Jason Saab to score and then kicked a wobbly field goal in the last five seconds for the win, and that was the difference between the two teams. For the Warriors, it was a tale of two halves, when Sean O'Sullivan sold a massive dummy to score, and Cody Nikarima dropped the DC grubber, which led to Josh Schuster scoring his first career try. So the win did come at a cost for Manly, though with Jack Gosiewski suffering a potential season-ending foot injury, and Dylan Walker suffering a hamstring injury, although with Tommy Turbo coming back this week, they're probably better off for Dylan Walker being a bit injured because he's been terrible this year. What did you think of this game? He's trying to find his feet. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, I think part of his recovery should be sprinting down the course. So. What, his, fitness, his but, fitness test with Harry? His fitness test, yeah. You know what? They get they take him down to Wentworth Park. They get Harry to run a lap and then Turbo to chase him around Wentworth Park. Turbo dog to track, chase yeah. him around. I think initially Dylan Walker was a little. Bit, he tried to get a little bit more involved, but he's done his hamstring. It's taken him a while. But I, I'm like you. I thought it was a very ordinary game. It was. I mean, it was close. A slugfest. It was just a slugfest. It was close. A slugfest. I think Mandy were playing the percentages quite a bit, and just hoping to grind their way to, to a win, which they eventually did. I think there's a few things that stood out for me. Is Josh Schuster? Yeah. He's what nineteen? Yeah, something like that. He is gigantic. He is, and I reckon he's got a bit... He looks like a player. He looks like he's going to be all right. He is. He's got great skill and and vision with the ball, Playing in the second row. He's a 5'8". Massive, massive. He's so big. Like, he's coming up against the other props, and he's as big as the prop with ball skills. But it's like like Joseph Suwali. It's like Joseph Suwali. He's 195 centimetres and 98 kilos or something. He's a 17-year-old kid, just a big unit. Yeah. I think that's what stood out. I was watching. I thought, God, this guy's actually huge. He's bigger than most of these guys in first grade. He's as tall as you are wide. Oh, it's all... I'm like Matt Utai. Just total, you know, t- totally wide and perfect. Well, you're, so, you're, you're like Matt Utai, except you're not quick, don't play league. With the chicken legs? You do have chicken legs. Yeah. You do have chicken legs. And I have no hair. You have no hair. He had great hair, yeah. Matt Utai. Great hair. Yeah, so, um, so other than everything, you're exactly the same. 
Exactly right. I felt it was good to actually see Jason Saab in the clear, and now I get mad. He is so far. It was great try. It was such a great try. It was. It was a great and try. For I love that. Try it. The gamble. Thought, yeah, that was great. But he skinned him like he had ten meters start. And yes, Mo had to turn around, but he beat him by 10 metres. You see what I'm saying about playing? Manly had such a tough draw. They played Melbourne, blah, 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 blah. And, and as soon as they come up against the Warriors, they win a game. Like, you almost got to ride off the... You do. The, the golf's too big, right? Yes, I agree. I am disappointed with the Warriors, though. I was going to say exactly the same thing about the Warriors. So I thought it was DCE's best game of the season. And the Warriors are playing very, very conservative style of football incredibly conservative and it does not suit but but i don't think that's nathan brown i think that's phil gould phil gould has a people think phil gould was this great big entertainer as a coach he wasn't he was don't make any mistakes tuck the ball under your your jersey for five tackles and then kick for the corners that's what phil gould was tactically he was a great motivational player uh coach but you know his tactics were a bit bit like anthony griffin to be honest with you but I think this is Phil Gould. I don't think this is... I think they're trying to get them to play a very Australian style of football rather than building on their natural tendencies. I think it's as easy to say, right? But I think you've really got to understand the personnel you got and play the football that suits their strengths. I know there's basics that you've got to cover, but I think that's important to try and get the best out of your talent that you have at your disposal. Like, Nikarima is shackled. Um, Sean O'Sullivan isn't a very fast guy, but he's got he's, he's a bit clever with I the ball. I thought he was okay again. But the thing is, he's okay. But I think you saw that when he scored his try, there was players in motion, and then he can make a dummy, and he can make the right play, whereas he's just on his own a lot of the time with one runner. It's too easy. I didn't think the Warriors threw anything at the man he did. So here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing for Cody Nikarima. It was too easy for man. Cody Nikarima is really good when his team through the forwards have got momentum. You know, they're offloading the ball. You've had possession a few times. You're making yards up the middle and the defense is on the back foot. And I think him, he's got the ball in both hands. He's tricky. He's running at that defense. He's dummying. He's kicking. He's doing... He's great in that situation. He's not so good in the Cooper Cronk situation where if the momentum's going against you, Cooper Cronk had enough technical ability and understanding of the game that through his kicking game or through what he said and how he got them around the park that he could negate that momentum. So that's the challenge for Cody Nikarima. Given they are in a slugfest game like this, the forward pack battle's even, so no, neither side has real momentum. Anytime they did have momentum, they dropped the ball or made a mistake. So yeah. so it's not his natural game, right, in that sort of game? Definitely not. But I, I do think it hampers their attack because they're trying to play very functional football. And I think it played into Manly's hands, right? And you could see Manly when challenged defensively. I know there's a golf between teams. They've been blown off the park. Two other things that stood out for me really were... Um, I love the the try where I think Mil Marlow scored, but Jason Saab dived backwards and tried to hit it out. I thought that was actually quite clever. And he nearly, nearly worked. Yeah. Where he got, they went around him, and then he, he almost hit the ball out. So that was a, it was an enterprising piece of play, yeah, right? Yeah, it would, would have been better if he read the play properly. That, that look, doesn't matter. You got to make it look spectacular. If you're going to go down, make sure you look. I mean, at the same time, it's like you know? a goalkeeper. <laughs> I thought, yes, it was. Yes, what you're saying is right, but it's like a goalkeeper that dives for the shot that's two meters <laughs> inside the post, and you're like. Why don't you just catch the bloody so ball? So he's Jason Saab's our Italian Yeah, correct, correct. Why don't you just yeah, catch... Okay, you know who right. he is? He's Luca okay. Marcagiani. You know how Luca Marcagiani used to do you that? Know, yeah, of course. Yeah. And the other thing was, you know what? It was good to see Manly get a win. And it was it was an exciting finish because of the tight scoreline. And God, it was a terrible field goal attempt, though. Uh, it was a horrible field goal attempt, but it went, went over. over. 
And I think that'll do DC's confidence. Yeah, he hit that and I thought that must have missed. And they're like, oh, it snuck over. Look, that was just shit. He was he just a terrible. He was a the, mongrel of a you kid. Know, it was good to see the joy. It's good to see the joy and everyone running around and, um, you know, they were really happy to win. So good on Manly for gra- for grabbing a win. Oh, so, I can't bring myself that's to just say that. Pretty boring game. Yeah, it was a dull game. Pretty boring All game. All right, the 8pm game on Friday night was Panthers versus the Raiders. The Panthers got up 30-10. to 10. I had a high hopes for this game. There was nearly 21,000 at Panthers Stadium on the night they were paying homage to the 1991 grand final win. I loved the retro jersey. It was fantastic to see oh, the 1991. Yes. I was going to say, which jersey was better? Well, they were both good. They, they were both good. The Milk Wars. Canberra Milk versus Oak That's Milk. That's right. Which one would you choose? Uh, if I had to choose, I'd probably choose Oak. Oh, so flavoured milk guy, are Well, you? compared to the radioactive Canberra Milk. <laughs> oh, God. God. Yep. That could go in all sorts of it directions. Could indeed, it could indeed. <laughs> yes. Did you enjoy that one? The interpretation I of did. that one, yes. Is this the milk at Parliament House by any chance? Well, it could be. The, the, the Raiders did get off to a great start after Jack White. And that's the Jack White we've been missing. He showed his strength and speed to go over. Uh, and the Panthers made a lot of errors in this game, particularly early. But I thought the game changed when Chance Nickel Klockstad went off with HIA, forcing a reshuffle with Jordan Rapana going to fullback. He's now got a bulging disc in his neck, so it looks like he's going to be out six to 12 months, Chance Nickel Klockstad. That's a big out. Oh, is that yeah, right? Big... Is that what happened? That's huge. Yeah, so loss. apparently it happened in the Nick Valemi kickout tackle. And the way he came down, almost like a crusher, and and he's got a bulging disc in his neck. So there'll be a bit of there'll be a bit of niggle in this game next time they play as well. So that's yeah, a big out. That's a, shame, that's a big though, out, and he's been playing well. I think what we can safely say is Jordan Rapan is a terrible fullback. He just doesn't have the composure to play fullback, and you could tell that a few times. He's a bit like a headless chook back there. The, the Panthers then put three tries on, um, and Lee, Liam Martin make, made a big difference when he came on, terrorising the Raiders' left edge. Um, and, and Jerome Luai terrorised the right edge of the Raiders. So, so you know, the game at that point was not over, but but it was certainly heading in one direction. The momentum was all with the Panthers. Then they went on with it in the second half, capped off with a 70-metre intercept try off a bad George Williams pass by Nathan Cleary. Overall, I thought it was actually, this game didn't live up to the hype. It was an untidy game. There was a combined 30 errors by the team. So drop ball, all those sorts of things. 17 of those were made by the Panthers. There were 65 mixed tackles in this game, 37 by the Raiders. Both teams completed less than 70% of their sets, and the, it, was, it was one of the slowest games this year for play of the balls, with both teams nearly four seconds for each team as an average play of the ball. I thought Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai were the best for the Panthers, and I thought Jack Whiten's best game this year for, for the Raiders. Um, but they will be sweating on the Josh Hodgson injury, the hip flexor. You know, he went off with about 15 minutes to go with a hip flexor. They'll be sweating yep. on that one. Can I also say this? Crichton is not a fullback. He had handling errors and no, took wrong options. No, he is not. They will get better with Dylan Edwards coming back and Api Corosau into hooker as well. So, Just on Crichton at, the, at fullback, what is funny is someone who's such a natural athlete and such a graceful mover when he's at centre, he looks really awkward at fullback, which is weird. He doesn't look like a fullback at all. No, I agree with you. I thought... Look, he did come up with one play where he actually came into the line and, and had a little bit too much pace for Canberra's um, left-hand defence. But other than that, he's average at fullback. Dylan Edwards was noticeably better than Stephen Crichton in a fullback. Noticeably, oh, yeah. huge, noticeably huge. better. So, you know, I, I think they'll be stronger when Dylan Edwards and Api Corosau come back. Um, can I, I've, got, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, yeah. Are the Panthers getting arrogant? Um, after, oh, after yeah. Charlie Stane oh, yeah. scored in the second half <laughs> oh, yeah. and the Panthers were celebrating, 
Stephen Crichton pulled Joey Tapanay, <laughs> who was a sub, he wasn't even on the field, into a deliberate <laughs> I scuffle. Laugh at this. It was just a douchebag play by Stephen Crichton, and he didn't have that good a game, Stephen Crichton. I thought this, mate, you guys are getting a bit too big for your bridges. There, there is a bit of arrogance. Then the Panthers in their play. did the Viking clap with about twenty minutes to go. Did you see that? The crowd, they did their own mock Viking clap. Oh, well, hey, that, that's the Penrith crowd. Wow. So I think I think they I think they're banking the premiership already. I'm a little bit more lenient with the uh, the crowd. I think that's kind of a, a little bit of theatre. They are definitely getting a little bit arrogant. They're young. They've been dominant, not yes, just good. Yes, correct, correct. I think that's the difference, right? They haven't just been winning. They've been, they're too good for nearly all the teams. I mean, this is the fifth or sixth played. best team last year, and they belted them. I liked and didn't like the Stephen Crichton thing. I think it's it, it's amusing, but a bit of a douchebag play at the same time. <laughs> douchebag thing to do. It, he's lucky it wasn't 10 years ago because Joseph Tarpanay would have put one on his chin. Absolutely smacked him. And I wouldn't have blamed him for nah. doing it. Like, I'd almost go, you're off the field anyway. I'd almost take the send-off. He got cited. This is the thing for contrary conduct. But Joey Tarpanay? No. Oh, Stephen Crichton did. Stephen Crichton, yeah. So he should. Just, just, And you know what they should say when he goes to defend himself? They should just say, but you're a douche. That's what they probably should say. Hey, man, you can't do this. Yeah. This is kind of a it's just play. kind of a douchebag play. It was funny, but you need to get yeah, suspended. Yeah, yeah, correct. Max Rushton's got a term for it. Max Rushton's got a term for it in the Guardian Football Weekly podcast. Oh, what are, they what are they call it again? Shithousery. Shithousery. That's it. I love that. That's a great term. It is absolutely That's exactly what it was. It was shithousery. Look, uh, my take on the game is I love the old school jerseys. I-, I like the fact that it was milk versus milk for some reason. It's hard hitting analysis that our listeners it come is, here absolutely. for. The hard hitting analysis. Milk versus milk. Do I feel like a flavoured milk or should I just get, you know. The radioactive stuff. <laughs> the radioactive stuff. I thought Penrith took a while to settle into the game, actually. But they didn't play that well. Neither team played that well. There was a lot of handling errors, a lot of just Penrith, had, Penrith were too good in the end. Slow play of the ball. The rucks were, weren't great. They dropped the ball a lot. Both teams missed tackles. Like They were both a little bit off. Yep, and I think part of it was because Penrith's been playing easy teams. Well, maybe you were saying that last week, right? You were saying that last week. Yeah, all of a sudden, it takes you a while to adjust to the intensity against the Canberra. Um, Fisher Harris for me was fantastic. Brian Toto playing out of his skin. He is two two hundred and fifty meters every week. He he. If you were picking Origin today, he he's got to start for New South Wales. He'd be the winner, yeah. right? He re, he's the modern day Utah. He's in evolution. He's nuggety. He's strong. He's always busting tackles. He's never dead with the ball. He, and he just he's a fantastic finisher. He burrows between players and. He's, I love to watch him. He's, he's, he's fantastic. Um, and he's getting better, right? Like you said, we talked about Crichton at fullback. I think the pa- the Raiders had solid defense all around. They made... Well, they've got good defense, right? But 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 the Panthers were too good. Penrith struggled up the middle a little bit, but they're, they're a little bit too athletic. Like, it doesn't stop. Spencer Liniu, I mean, that break he made and practically sprinted away from everybody. He's the prop. I thought Matt Burton, he's just got announced for the game. The more I watch him play, he's growing each week. Like the ball that Luai gave him, the cutout, he hits that on any other angle and he doesn't go through that gap. He hit it at the right angle to create the space and then step back around and accelerated into the space. He's going to be great for the dogs. Dude, that was fantastic. Just the way he hit the line. If he ends up going there, he'll be great. Well, this is the other thing, right? Like, he's got a contract. I mean, the dogs probably won't let him go, but he's going to be undervalued if he keeps on playing like this as well. Yeah, that's right. So they would have bought him at a discount. But don't worry, don't worry. Trent Barrett will take him and play him as a second rower. He probably will. Trent Barrett, if you're listening, please play like, make him play like Trent Barrett that used to play for Illawarra. 
and even the mullets back, like the same mullet you used to have in 1996 and 97 when you were, man, he was amazing when he played for Illawarra. Sad, I think Nico Klockstadt injury hampered the Raiders a little bit although Rapana did, didn't play too bad at fullback but the shift of the centers and the wingers impacted their attack I worry for the Raiders a little bit they're a great side they've got solid defense they've got good skill do you know what there's almost a top two and a top another four and then another two the Panthers are too fast for them whenever the Raiders made any inroads they get run down there's no one feeding off the half breaks to turn them into tries like a Pappenheiser or a Crichton or you know a Luai and I thought, again, Luai was brilliant. His grubber and chase was fantastic. And an example of what I was talking about was Hudson Young when he made that break and you had Simonson looming up in support. But all, there was four or five Panthers just keeping up with all of them. So something that could have resulted in a try was just a break and then the Panthers recouped defensively. Like, just, they've got a gear that Canberra doesn't have, even though Canberra is, is a really, really good side. And Momorowski... Well, I think he's pretty good. Did make a pass. He did make a pass. Mind you, I think that's probably the only pass that he can pass from left to to right is that flick pass because he never passed any other time. And if I was his winger, Charlie Staines scores off everyone else's passes. Charlie Staines, by the way, great finisher. Great finisher. Just knows how to stop on a dime, instantly cut back inside, great hands, great acceleration. They've a little bit too good, Penrith. I, I, solid game. Canberra was solid. But to beat Penrith and like the Melbournes, you need to be better than really solid. I agree. Professional. I couldn't agree more. I think they're, 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 it's ominous, actually, um, for the rest of the It time. is. It's no injuries. I am failing to see... Who's going to stop them? ...how anybody can beat Penrith or Melbourne. Well, I agree. I agree. And just one last question before we move off this game. State of origin. Cody Walker versus Jack Whiten versus Jerome Luai. Who do you pick at 5'8"? I have to say that that is pro- we're going back to the 80s now when you had an early 90s when you had five, six, seven halves or five eights that you could have picked from. Cliff Lyons, Terry Lamb, Brett Kenny, you know, um, Greg Alexander, Peter Sterling. It's, I don't know. I honestly don't know. You could say Jerome Luai has taken his game to another level and Cody Walker has just been a magician for South. To, to be honest, Jack Whiten, I think, has been really good solid for the Raiders but out of those three he's the one that I think would miss out on four so you play him in the centers yes I would I absolutely would if there are no centers he's he's your center Jack Wider because he has he can play a centers game okay but Luai or I probably would pick Luai because he's younger but either him or Cody Walker same same like for like they're both just brilliant and they're both similar players they're, they're magical players first up on Super Saturday was the Titans versus the Knights the Titans got up 42-16. It was good to see the old Titans back from last year. The Titans dominated this game from the beginning with Kevin Proctor scoring one minute into the game. Um, Dave Fafita on the Titans' left edge absolutely dominated this game. Three tries, three line breaks, 168 metres, eight tackle boss, and two offloads. Corey Thompson was also support, superb. The Titans played razzle-dazzle football and it was no surprise that it happened when Tyrone Peachy was promoted to the starting lineup. So they played with three playmakers as opposed to just having two and Tino at lock. So um, like the back end of last year, the three playmakers really made a difference and Ash Taylor was back. Um, the Titans look better when they play attractive football, right? They need to play their style of football. There was a lot of commentary after this game saying, is that winning football? It doesn't matter. I mean, they that's the that's the... That's their most it natural is. style of football. 
for the Knights, Ponga was back and was good in attack. I thought he was good in attack and he makes a big difference for them. But um, made some costly mistakes, including kicking off uh, from the kickoff, kicking out on the full. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was just he just he, he was he was a bit rusty. Uh, and I think the Knights are actually. I, I I'm now beginning to think the Knights will miss the eight with all the injuries and the way they're playing. I, I think they're in danger of missing the eight. They're going to go backwards this year. Then their, their next few games are, and I repeat, their next next few games are the Sharks, the Panthers, the Roosters, the Raiders. They could be two and seven come week uh, come the end of week nine. Probably will. I think it's tough. Tough run, right? And so I just think they're still finding their feet. I think the Knights because of all the injuries and reshuffle in their team team every other week. But yeah, that's a that's a hard run when you're slowly starting to get players back. Yeah, that's right. So two they could be two and seven. I think it's a long road back to make the eight from there. What did you see? You you, you watched this game quite closely and you were you were quite impressed by the Titans. Well like I think you you summed it up really well. That is their natural style of football. Um and for people that that is Jimmy Dimmick. Jimmy Dimmick's back so, baby. But for the first four weeks it wasn't Jim Dimmick, right? I think he must have been on holidays. <laughs> At Sunshine Coast or something. But that very much reminds me of 2012 Bulldogs that had Jimmy Dimmick's offensive imprint all over it, where the forwards are passing off the kickoffs and looking for fullbacks running wide, which most teams don't play that way. If you, obviously being a fan, you remember some of the, but the whole Ben Barber stuff running 80, 90 metres was because forwards were spreading the ball off the kickoffs. And I'm seeing that with the Titans, right? I'm with you. It's their most natural style of football. And Jared Wallace, like what the hell? A step and like a shimmy and a, under, a, a flip pass through to Dave Fafita to put him in the gap. Has anybody even seen Jared Wallace? We talk about his stats all the time. Has anybody even seen him ball play before? Well, I mean, I thought I thought they were really good. That's their style of football. I think you're right. And I think you can win with that style of football because what you saw was some of their tries were just amazing, like absolutely fantastic. Um, I think there was a couple of soft tackles. At, in the first two tries by the Knights, I think. But Peachy running to the line and Proctor running off him is different. Most teams don't do that. They have a set play near the line. They're trying to get players in motion. They don't have forwards always passing the ball. But I think, you know, it did go through some soft defense. Um, but their offloads, their forwards passing the ball, their props running wide and throwing cutout balls to... For, and for feet are coming from... Like, you know, you see him get the ball flat-footed. That try where he just basically, the second one, where after suffer, sorry for Caleb Bonger, he hit the ball at full speed from probably 20, 30 metres back. No one was going to no, stop him. No, no, of course not. Ponga came back. Frizzell, he literally just ran over, he steamrolled Tyson Frizzell, who's not a small guy, and bumped them out of the way. Well, that's David Fafita though, right? That's what you're paying a million bucks a year for. But they're starting to find him. How to use him in effectively, their style of effectively, is what I yes. saw. Rather than give him the ball and go, hey man, steamroll players, they're getting him hitting the ball at pace and they're creating gaps for him to run into, which makes him almost unstoppable. I mean... They're doing it off the back of momentum as well. The try to Corey Thompson before the back, the end of the half, that was Fatuaka slowing down, passing the ball, Wallace putting Fafita through, Fafita passing the ball, and Corey Thompson's footwork... And his change of direction without losing speed, he's a brilliant finisher. Corey Thompson's been good for them this year. He's been good for them. He's an underrated Very player. Underrated. He rarely makes mistakes. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good that the West Tigers let him go because they're so rich in outside backs, particularly after Norfolk Luma's performance on the weekend. And I think you know, like he's one of those players where 
in an outright sprint, he's not going to beat players. But you saw how easy he changed directions and he barely lost any speed. He stood up Caelan Ponga pretty easily. I thought the Knights did well to come back into the game, to be honest. But the Titans' tries, mate, they were, some of those were unstoppable. They're just down on cattle, mate. The Knights, uh, it's a long way back and the draw they've got, I just think they're... they're I think they'll probably miss the eight now. Yeah, Tino was great. Tino's uh, been good all season. Tino's been good all season. Moving him in, I think dropping that extra tight forward as a prop has been excellent for the top. Yeah, I agree. It's given them that ball playing on the fringe again with Peachy, and it's they're starting to, I hope, play their style of football. Having said that, this is an easier team. What about when they come up against one of the bigger teams that they play like that? But well, they've got they've got a, they've got a real test this week with Manly. So okay, maybe a little bit more razzle dazzle. I thought Brian Kelly's comeback was good. The try for Patrick Herbert off the kickoff. Again, Wallace running to the ball, cutting it out to Brimson, who busted through. You know, but you, you don't realise how fast Ponger is when he gets into the, you know, gets some space and he's just running. He ran him down pretty simply. Brimson, Brimson's incredibly quick. But a, a 90 metre try off the kickoff. So that's the type of stuff the Titans can do. And I kind of found it an enjoyable game to watch. There was a bit of ball movement and the Knights try off the kick as well, where Hunt went through. Pass, I think, to Barnett, and they, he found Ponga. And Ponga, he just took off and left Brimson for dead, which was... It, it's just great to watch that type of stuff, you know, players in, in space and running. But uh, I thought the Titans were fantastic. I think Ponga had some really good moments, a little bit rusty, but good to see him back. But he's not going to face Dave Fafita running at him at 100 miles an hour every week. He'll probably make some of those tackles. Like the last one where Fafita scored in the corner, his leg was as big as... Caelan Ponger. <laughs> but for Titans, that's the positive you want to see. You want to see him playing their football, like you say, and it makes them it makes them a dangerous side to play. And especially now they do have some, you know, they have Punch in the back row with Fafita and they've got Tino in our prop. They've got some good players, the Titans. The Knights, yeah, it's good that Ponger's back. I thought they showed flashes, but they're just, they don't have, they, they, they've got too many injuries at the moment. But it looks like, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Dimmick's back. Welcome back, Jimmy. Well, I knew you were going to find a way to make this Jimmy Dimmick and, <laughs> and not Justin Holbrook. Uh, no, look, uh, what I will say to Justin about Justin Holbrook, though, is having seen Dimmick have an imprint on the offense, you know, it's a humble way to be the head coach to say, you know what, I believe in my guy that's coaching the offense and to sort of allow them a little bit of freedom to play their style of football because it's not necessarily conservative footy, is it, at times? So you've got to be backed up by your head coach. So I think Holbrook has got, obviously, that kind of philosophy and is allowing their players to play some football, which is really good. Brilliant. Well, we move on to the next game of Not So Super Saturday. And, of course, it is that time of the week where we settle down. We grab... Actually, we're going to grab something lighter this week so because we don't need something as heavy. So we probably need a... Pinot Gris or a Pinot Grigio, something white. Think of a summer's, summer's afternoon. Sitting down, enjoying, sipping some white wine, enjoying the 18 points that were scored. Che- get some cheese. Quirk. Sit in your beanbag. <laughs> Soak up the sun as we get into Bulldogs Hour again. And it's the Bulldogs versus Storm in the second game. The Storm won 52-18. to 18. Can I, it's, it's such a funny thing to say when a team, when you concede 52 points, but despite the scoreline... I thought there were better signs for the Dogs. They scored th- three tries and actually showing some fight early in the second half. I also thought Luke Thompson makes made a massive difference for the Dogs. And, and I thought it was Jake Avarillo's coming-of-age game. He was dangerous. He looked good. He, he showed all that promise that you said he had. So that was fantastic. Um, having said that, 
the storm blew the dogs away in the first half and the last 20 minutes of the second half. They scored five tries in the first half and made the score 30-6 to six at halftime. Craig Bellamy was very unhappy with their performance, even though they put 52 points on the dogs. He thought they were sloppy. Of course he was. Should have. Yeah, they probably were. They probably should have put 60. Yeah, I, I think if one of these teams, heaven help one of these poorer teams, if one of the good sides actually decide to go hell for leather for 80 minutes. Oh, oh yeah, I agree with you. I think Melbourne switched off in a couple of the games. Yeah, Mate, if they were better in the first twenty minutes of the second half, you, you you could have conceded another three tries. You could have been up at seventy points. So, but they then scored again early in the second half before the Dogs mounted a comeback, and the Dogs got it back to thirty six eighteen, and you had all the momentum. I thought, wow, this is this is unbelievable. Yeah, but then the storm went off. They went on with it. The Bulldogs' defense is. I, I don't have enough bad words to describe the Bulldogs' defence. They were absolutely terrible. I mean, they've it's not first-grade quality. They've conceded 174 points in five games. It's almost 35 points a game. Um, the scary thing was the Storm made more errors. Listen to this for a stat, right? The Storm made more errors, missed more tackles, and the Dogs won the penalty count, and the Storm still won by 34 points. I mean, it just shows the golf in talent. Um, and, and the Bulldogs dropped the ball less. They completed their sets better. So despite all the stats being against them, they won by 34 points. But for the long-suffering Bulldog supporters, I thought there was a bit more life in the team this week. Well, they scored. Um, the good thing is we're averaging 4.5 points a game over the last four games. I know you can cherry-pick stats, but... The, the good news is we're averaging 4.5 points over the last... Four games. <laughs> Four games. At the end of the day, you just want to see a little bit of improvement. I think Avarillo showed a little bit more of a five-eighths game. You can see he's he can pass and he's got a footy brain. Like he's he's actually a footy player. He made some errors and that's fine. His defense is still sorting itself out. He can it's rocks and diamonds at times. His defense, but you know he's playing. How many first grade games he played? Ten. Yeah. His kick for the Wateni Zelezniak try was brilliant. From the sideline, perfect height, perfect weight to allow him to run onto it. It was perfectly weighted kick. So he's got some talent, but the team, you know, they tried a little bit, but defensively, some of the tries at the start of the game, that was so soft. You know, Adam Elliott and these guys on the fringe, the forwards. Yeah, you guys are soft through the middle. You're soft on the edges in defense. It's terrible. It's not first grade quality. You were more positive. The only text message I got from you on the weekend during the Doggies game was, three tries, bro. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, oh well. I forgot to mention the 52 points scored against. Um, so, you know, Katoa, mate, there was a lot of gaps. Katoa, Dylan Napa. Big puppy. Jack Hetherington. Refer to him by his full name. Mate, he's small puppy. He's... Like, they they leave a lot of gaps through the <laughs> oh, middle of mate, the field. And then they're putting their players. Do you have a defense coach? A, maybe he's on holidays. Have you thought of bringing <laughs> back the corpse of Rex Mossop or something? I mean, far out. I think he might do a better job. Um, so, look, I mean, there's a few positive signs in the attack. We're still way, way, way off. But Melbourne, like I said, the soft tries were there. But honestly, whenever they amped up their game a little bit, they just blew us off the park. Will you guys win a game this week? you got the Cowboys this week. I think we'll probably sneak, might, might sneak a win against, you know, the teams around us, the five or six teams that are pretty crap, depending on who plays better on the day. How many wins? Say, such as the Cowboys. How many wins? I don't think you'll beat the Cowboys this weekend. It's in North Queensland. If I'm realistic, I think we'd be flat out winning five games this year. If I'm, I really if I'm realistic, I think you're going to win two or three games this year. 
Hey, I said five, right? That's not too far off. It's more than double what I thought. I think Harry Grant coming back, you could see the little bit of difference he adds to the storm. Brandon Smith was really solid. He's more robust and nuggety. Harry Grant gives him a bit more thrust and speed and directness out of dummy half and a bit more creativity. I'll tell you what it also showed me. Brandon Smith is the much better defender. Oh, yeah, for sure. Brandon Smith is a fantastic defender. I'm not sure. I'm not as convinced on the Brandon Smith versus Harry Grant as everyone else is. Really? Yeah, I'm not. Not yet. Not yet, I'm not. No. Jury's still out for me. Okay. that's. I think that's a fair comment. I think maybe having a Harry Grant on the bench probably suits... I think I think the Harry Grants as be- well very quickly become the media darling, and I think I, I'm just not sure whether Brandon Smith's not the better hooker. I mean, I think I think Harry Grant's service out of dummy half is better. I think his passes are better. Yes, he's more natural. He's a more natural passer and ball player for sure. You know, I think you could see Remus Smith is improving, the ex Bulldog, and this is what I mean by development. For three years, he came in had a boom year his first year and basically stagnated, and you can see his confidence growing for Melbourne. He's coming in to the line. He's got good skill. He's putting his winger away. He's putting Jennings away. And just Melbourne, whenever they upped the ante, they were too good. I mean, and you know which nickname I hadn't heard before, and I love it? Flying Ryan Pappenheisen. Warren Smith. Oh, Warren Smith's the best. Great name. Great name. Flying Ryan. Oh, my God, that is fantastic. Warren Smith and Greg Alexander, for those of you listening, they're my favourites. But just Melbourne, the creativity they got now, I think Bellamy's really sort of loosened the reins a fair bit. That try by Pappenheisen where he literally, I don't know how he made up five metres on Kyle Flanagan. It was only 10 metres. I think it's called acceleration. That was unbelievable. He actually went straight past him like he was standing. So Kyle Flanagan's not fast, but he's not slow, slow. And, but the kick by Jennings and the football to put him into the clear was, was fantastic. The Kenny Bromwich grubber for Oldham. Behind the line was good football as well. And the Addo Car kick, I know perfect bounce by Munster. But by that stage, I felt Melbourne were like, hey, you know what, let's just try a kick. Hey, uh, hey Josh, we're just going to boot the ball into the corner and just chase it. And the kick was perfectly positioned. And just he left both players for dead, the winger and the fullback, and just cut in between them and, and scored under the post. And the last try as well, which was also great football, Munster step inside to Pappenheisen, hunting for the offload in the middle of the field. And then the pass back to um, Nico Hines to score right at the end. The, the, the weird thing about that, this is the difference, is Nelson Asofa Salomona was running and keeping up with Pappenheisen in support. You know, you rarely see that from other teams. They had a, a, a number of players chasing through. I also think, I also think, you know, their eyes lit up. They were, they were, they were a bit. Oh yeah, yeah you know I can get I mean? to score yeah, this yeah, game. Yeah. Correct, correct. But yeah, I mean, different league. I thought Melbourne were kind of like playing with the accelerator during the game and the tempo a little bit. And they put on 52. And I wouldn't tell you, they had some great moments, but would I tell you they played a fantastic game? No. No, that's right. And that's the scary thing. They scored 52. You did mention a bet last week that, to be honest, it wasn't much of a return for actually quite a difficult bet to win, that Pappenheisen would score more than the forty. He kicked eight from uh, eight from nine, and he scored a try, which, by my summation, is 20. Ryan Pappenheisen, 20. The Bulldogs, 18. So if you had to put some money on that, you would have won. But Melbourne, another training run. It, sometimes it's great to watch some of the footy, but... A little bit too easy for them. All right. Well, that was a more positive Bulldogs hour, so that was good. So let's move on to the last game of Not So Super Saturday. Again, another disappointing game, actually, I thought. The Roosters versus Sharks. The Roosters won 26-18. The Sharks were the better team for the first 60 minutes. They were leading 18-4 with less than 20 minutes to go, but then the Roosters put on four tries in quick succession. 
I, I thought the Roosters were lucky to get away with this. Drew Hutchinson beat Chad, Chad Townsend one-on-one to start the comeback, and then Sam Walker took over two, with two amazing cutout passes, one each, each way. First of all, right to left and then left to right. And he also beat Chad Townsend one-on-one. Again, for poor Chad Townsend getting towelled up by two 18-year-olds in defence. And the Sharks and John Morris dominated the game very cleverly in the first 60 minutes, right? So EG, let me give you an example of how their tactics went. They kicked to Tupu every single kick during the game. Every single kick they did went to Tupu. Why? Because they didn't want him taking it up first up. They didn't want him taking the first hit up. So, and then they targeted Sam Walker in defense. He's 78 kilos. He made 15 tackles, but he also missed five on that right edge. So, it, you know, they, they were very clever in the way it's they too did young, it. He's young too and light. too light, right? Yeah. But 18 but 4 with 19 minutes to go, they should have won the game. But that last 20 minutes by the Roosters just goes to show they're not going to go away in a hurry. The Sharks also lost a couple of old heads with Wade Graham and Josh Dugan going out for HIAs. Now, this is a number of HIAs now for Wade Graham and Josh Dugan just this year. Wade Graham's starting to get a pattern. So is Josh Dugan. Of HIAs, yeah. Considering what's happened to... Jake Friend. Jake Friend. You know, now you start to well, hang on, maybe there's something... And Luke Geary and Boyd Cordner. You know, I think think they've got to be really careful there. And the Roosters also lost Freddie Lussick to a broken arm. Um, But they got better because Ben Marshke did a better job. Um, Freddie Lussick... He's terrible at dummy half. Ben Marshke, not good enough to be in the Bulldogs reserve grade. Well, I mean, he did pretty good when he came on. He was the better hooker. He's got a brother. Yeah, him and his brother. Yeah. It's good recruitment there by the and good 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 <laughs> talent maintenance by. It makes you worry as a fan when the Roosters go, hey, you know what? We can use this person because they know what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, correct, correct. So. Well, and, and people often say that the dogs really know what they're doing. So, mate, you know, we, we've spoken about the dogs a number of times. Maybe they have got the right players coming through, but they just don't hold on to them. Who knows? But I, I think the Roosters, they're, they're, they're like Melbourne. You know, I tell an identification, they turn players into Tom, better this, players. They were lucky in this game though, right? Despite Sam Walker being amazing and all the rest of it and him coming out. Um, Brett Morris got another double, 11 in five games, to equal the South Sydney winger Michael Cleary's 1962 record for most tries in the first five games. So I think he's going to score 30 tries the way he's going. Mate, he is unbelievable. And in Sam Walker, I think they've found a replacement half for the rest of the season too. Brett Morris has just been... His finishing's been amazing. I mean, and against some of these crapper teams, he's going to score two, three tries every game. Yeah, he is. He really is. Well, I mean, who the Roosters got this week? The Roosters have got the Storm. So that'll be an interesting, interesting game, that one. Looking forward to that game, actually. Great game. I think the Storm will get it. I think the Storm will get it. What did you think of this game? I know you didn't watch it. I, of course I did. And the one did thing you watch I it live? say... Now, I know you didn't watch the Thursday night game live. I know you didn't, because you were with me at the AFL. No, I was out, actually, on Saturday. So I watched it um, when I got home. So... Um, I've got to go back to my notes, but I think with you, like you said, the Sharks looked good. I think they... But but they're playing well. They were playing for the coach. They made the eight the last two years, yeah. so it's the perfect time to sack the coach. Yeah, a perfect time. The fact that they've actually looked sharp. I know, they were leading the route. I mean, oh my God, it's just a debacle. You know, you could you can sort of see that they've got staggered attacking lines. They've got different runners in motion. Moylan, he's started to play better as well. Chad Townsend's actually been really... Like you mentioned it last week, he's been really good. William Kennedy again this week, trying to impose himself in the game. I thought he played really well. And then they get rid of him. I thought Cronulla did really, really well. They played great. I think in the second half, though, they had a few opportunities where 
it's almost like they had the roosters out for the count and they couldn't quite knock them out. And they kept the roosters hanging around a little bit. There, there was a poor miss on Drew Hutchison, I think, which let them... It was Chad, Chad, Chad Townsend. Yeah, I mean, look, you missed tackles, but that one was kind of a... It was a poor miss. And then he miss. missed Sam Walker as well. I mean, he was just terrible. He was terrible in defence, Chad Townsend. Yeah, that was a poor poor miss, that one. What I also picked up for the Roosters is Victor Radley has made them a better side coming back. You know what Victor Radley is? It's what Nathan Brown is for us. He gives their pack a bit of mongrel. He, he does, right? But he's, he's a good ball, good player, ball player too, and he can put players away in space. So I think he gives his fringe forwards, like you've got Tupanua not always having to rely on the halfback. You've got Radley going to the line and putting some of these players through the gaps. And as well. Jared Warrior Hargraves just gives them, he's just dirty. He's always been dirty. Yeah, he's just dirty. He's, but you know what I love about Warrior Hargraves? He's a player you love to hate, but he's a warrior. Oh, you'd love like, him on your team. Oh, he gives everything. He's, oh, the, he's yeah. the guy He's the guy who punches the other team's prop in the head and then goes to the ref. What? What? I didn't do anything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's him. It's like swinging arms. He headbutted my fist, ref. He headbutted my fist. Yeah, it's like, what do you mean? That's Jared Maria Hargroves. But, you know, he, he gives him that mongrel and that meanness, and he never gives up. It does It does go to show how, how the Roosters way. I mean, they've lost their half. They've lost both their halves. They've lost their hooker. You know, and they find a way to win. This is an incredibly well-run club. I think that's what it is, right? And honestly, for a 10-minute period, that was like rugby league porn with Sam Walker. I mean... I think I think what you said to oh, me in text God. message was it was real porn. And the police have got a real problem with you describing it that way when he's an 18-year-old kid with... Well, the good thing is Sam Walker can verify himself on the internet. He's over 18. That 10-minute period, mate, where... He got the ball and the hesitation dummy. Oh, that was fantastic. And then a bullet pass to Tupo, a floating bullet pass to Tupu on the wing. Mind you, Ronaldo Mulatalo did such a great job of watching Daniel Tupo in the defence that he probably could have got the ball. What a pass. And then on the other side, the little bit of a late run into the line that when Teddy created some space and the floating slow pass to Brett Morris on the fly. Two totally different passes, two different speeds, two tempos on two different sides of the field to the winger. Just brilliant. And then he scored the try. And the goal kicking too by Takiyaho to put them up eight at the end was a great kick. Great from vision a prop. too from the sideline. From a prop. You see it hook around and then start to curve the other way. It straightened. Looked like it was going to hook and then straighten and switch sides. But put them up by eight. But what was good is I showed vision of Sam Walker after you know, that 10 minute period, you can see like, you know, when you're an 18 year old kid and you're playing, you do something amazing and you almost can't believe it. You're smiling. He had this big grin on his face. Like, I can't believe this all just happened, which is kind of great to see as an adult. It's great to see, right? He's kind of like, God, I can't believe I'm, it's like, wait, someone wake me up. Are you describing yourself as the adult? Well, the adult that's sitting next to me, advising me, my, my, my life coach, The, the cat. The cat, yeah, she, uh, we, we, you know, we're we're starting to speak the same language now. She she's a great guide. But Roosters, like you say, they found a way to win. Oh, I thought the Sharks played well, and as they're looking better, they get rid of the coach. Great stuff, Metzatesta. Well, they got the Knights this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see which Sharks team shows up. And and as we mentioned, the Roosters have got the Storm down in Melbourne. So we move on to the Sunday games. The first one was a, you know. I thought the Bulldogs' defence was bad, but the Tigers in the first half. So it's the Tigers versus Cowboys at Leichhardt after Tommy died. And they were wearing a supposed West Tigers tribute jersey, which had a lot of orange in it. They eventually went down 34-30 after mounting a second-half comeback. Just on the jersey, 
I was excited to see what this West jersey would look like. So all week I've been hearing about how they're going to give him a tribute and they run out basically with a blacker version of their West Tigers jersey and slightly less orange. And it still looked very much like a West Tigers jersey to me. Honestly, if I were the Magpies part of the joint venture, I would have just said, hang on, one of our legends just passed away. We owe, The Tigers are broke. We're taking over. <laughs> Stuff it. Fuck it. We're changing the name to the Magpies and just taking over altogether. What kind of a tribute jersey was that? Yeah, it's not not. I mean, it's just it's not a very well run club, right? So so and 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 oh my god, that first half performance on Todd Tommy Rodonica's day at Leichhardt Oval was disgraceful. They got booed off at halftime. The Cowboys co- so they should they, have. so they should have the co- the Cowboys completely dominated the first half, tormenting the Tigers' edges and in particular the right defensive frailties of David Norfoluma. This is why he wasn't picked in origin. He is very slow side to side, and the hammer went around him like he wasn't standing because his lateral movement's terrible. They kicked in behind him, and he's he's got a turning circle worse than a train. I mean, he's just defensively a real liability. There was four tries down his side, and he wasn't he wasn't at the races. The, the Tigers made too many errors coming out from their own line, and the Cowboys could have scored a couple more. They, they were up 28-6 at halftime, and the Cowboys left a couple of tries out there. They were booed by the Leichhardt crowd. I know Andrew Webster came out and said, real fans don't boo their team, but I've, I've got nothing but sympathy for, the, for, the, for, the, for those long-suffering Tigers fans. I really like Andrew Webster, but I know he was a Dragons fan. But I will bet you if he wasn't acting in his capacity as a journalist, and I think he's relatively objective, he'd be losing it. Because some of the stuff, you can almost feel the frustration sometimes when he's written about the Dragons before. Yeah, well, that's right. And But I thought Scotty Drinkwater's best game this year. And once again, Adam he was the Tigers most likely in the first half. I, I, th- I thought Adam he's really trying hard. And he, he, if I had to call the Tigers player of the year at the moment, I reckon it would be him. The, the Cowboys played a more expansive game in first half. So again, I think they threw the ball around a bit more, which, which made a big difference rather than just trying to keep the game tight and, and, and doing that sort of stuff. So maybe between them and the Titans, they've shown the way for some of the other teams to, that are traditionally more towards the bottom of the ladder that you've got to throw the ball around a bit. Mate, go down swinging. Like if you're going to lose and there's a golf, challenge them. Give it, you give it a go. Don't play a percentage. Well, I think that certainly came out of this round. The Tigers obviously got a magic bollocking at halftime. Uh, because they got the game back to 28-20 in the first 20 minutes of the second half by targeting the Cowboys' left edge. And while Scotty Drinkwater had his had a great game in attack, he was he, that's the side they were targeting. His defense wasn't great. Uh, but then they had that try denied by the video ref on that side, the try to David Norfoluma. Um, and the Cowboys immediately went up the other end to make it 34-20 and really ice the game. The Tigers scored two tries in the last 10 minutes through Tommy Talao and then Joe Offerhand-Gowie to bring the score back to 34-30 with one minute left. But typical of the Tigers' day, Luke Brooks dropped the ball off the kickoff. And that was the end of the game. Um, and in the end, actually, goal kicking was the difference. It was, you know, with Adam Dewey kicking three out of six, which is tough on him because, I th- again, I thought he was one of their best. Where did the Tigers go from here? Because the, the, the Cowboys haven't been a solid side. They've been playing poorly. They look like, up until this game, like they were really not playing for the coach. And then they come out and blow the Tigers away at home at Leichhardt Oval on Tommy Rodonica's day when they had all the motivation in the world to show up. I don't know what to make of this game because after last week's performance by the Cowboys, where realistically Cronulla ran up 50 points and it, should, it could have honestly been 70. They, they were disgraceful last week, the Cowboys. 
uh, and now they come out and blow the Tigers away at Leichhardt. And I mean, look, I, lo- I love when Leichhardt's packed. It was packed. Yeah, it was great. A beautiful day. Beautiful day. Leichhardt's to, a great place to watch the, the crowds footy. out. Oh, I mean, I mean, you got to step through. You got to step through dog shit and piss to to go to the toilet. That's okay. Cullen Park is a dogs off the leash yeah, zone. And, that, and they and they serve food poisoning with the food. <laughs> Well, in the eighties, that used to be real food. Now we're we're a bit spoiled. Would you now. like chips with your food poisoning? We're a bit spoiled for choice nowadays. So our view of the old meat pie on the hill is is a bit different. Yeah, well, I don't but, think people um, are happy to have a rat pie anymore. So, like you say, disappointing. You got to pack like that's disgraceful. Actually, that first half was disgraceful. A nice sunny day. Then you've got the Tommy Redonicus day on top of that. You know, a club legend passes away. You've got all the reasons in the world to be at least motivated, and then to get blown away. The first First half, like that's pretty depressing, right? To be honest, the two halves of the Tigers all over this year, getting blown away when they have all the, mo- all the motivation in the world, and then when they start to string things together, they can put on some points, but they're hit and miss. You know what? It's a similar problem to the dogs, to be honest with you. It's just a lack of talent, recruitment, and talent identification is just poor. It's a similar problem. I found it interesting that Joey Leilua was back. Well, he's trying things, but he's only he's got the same thirty players, right? What could he do? And then he had to go off. I'm like you. I thought Scott Drinkwater was. This is the thing. Best game. Look, regardless of who the opposition is, he played his best game all yeah, year. I, I think I the agree. chip and the chase and the you know perfect bounce. Oh, the chip and the chase was great skill, great vision. Bill Blake like Adam Dewey. He played. You know, the second half they picked it up. I think after the Cowboys sort of, you know, they could have lost that game. Adam Dewey. He was a tough, tough um, day to be goal kicking. A lot of wind around and stuff like that. So it was just slightly off. And he's usually quite a good goal kicker. It didn't hurt Valentine Holmes. At least, it, I think it kept them just far enough for the Cowboys to to be still be in control of that game. Whereas I think if he kicked one or two of those goals, it would have been a little bit more panic for the Cowboys. I don't know what where they go. Like, they've pretty much got their best team. They've got Luke Brooks. They've got Adam Dwayne now in the halves. That's their half combination. Something's missing, right? Like, you need to turn the roster over. I, I just don't think there's any other. You way. do? I think so. I don't think. Do you? Do you think this is? I mean, you keep Dwayne. Who else do you keep? Well, there's been a lot of comments during the week about getting rid of Luke Brooks. I think he seems to have. You know, this is. I'm not sure with the Tigers how much of it is Madge Maguire and how much of it is. Well, the club came out after the game and said it wasn't Madge. So, well, they've signed him. They how can they? But say not that? only that, I don't think you can blame Madge for the first half. They they, they they didn't try. I agree with you. I'm not really sure with that. I, it, I was actually really disappointed with their performance in the first half, and I'm not a fan, but I kind of expected a little bit more. And again, the Cowboys threw the ball around. They had some pace and the Hammer scored a great try. It was too fast. No, he wasn't. It was David Norfoluma. He was inside (laughs) and he couldn't move sideways. Mate, he's he's a defensive liability. He's a defensive liability. And everyone goes, he scores scores 19 tries and people go, he should be in origin, blah, 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 blah. Mate, but he's conceding 20 the other way. Yeah, but this year, I don't think he's... Look, last year in attack, he was fantastic. He ran the ball with vigour. Yeah, but he was just as bad in defence. This is why he wasn't Okay, fair enough. And that's okay, right? But he was adding, not even about the origin, but he was adding something to their attack. This year, he has actually been pretty poor in attack as well. Yeah. Like, so you're kind of questioning... Well, because he's got a new contract. His contract here, he plays well. If he was still dynamite in attack, okay, you're going to let in a couple of tries, but at least you're getting something on the other side. This year... Every time I've watched the Tigers, he's kind of hasn't really done much at all. So I don't know where they go. Disappointing. They should have won that game, really. And they got blown away at home in front of a full house. I thought they'd get up. I don't know where they go. 
And they got Souths this week, so I don't know where the wins are going to come from. Partly, I think it's Madge, personally. Um, I don't think his coaching suits the roster that he's got. They don't quite have the talent, but they're, they're a yo-yo team. Yeah, they are. But not yo-yo, as in they're one half good, one half bad, one week good, one week bad. There's like no consistency with them at all, which I think is part of the issue. They, they have these good performances and people go, oh, they're better than they are. Then they have these terrible performances. So what are they? They're probably in between where they're not really that good. It's just occasionally they play have a good day and other times they play poor. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, so we move on to the last game of the round. It's Parramatta versus Saints. Uh, Saints won this 26-12. Was it really that close? Okay, so let's move on to round six and the preview of the round six games. <laughs> All right, look. I'm not saying anything, mate. I'm not saying... You know what? I am going to say something. Mate, God, if we want to win the premiership, if we want to be a serious contender, these are the teams we've got to put away. Saints are playing really, really well. We threw a lot at them after the Saints got up 18-0. But but Saints, it was too predictable. They were able to hold us off. I, I just think this is the Parramatta inconsistency. We just haven't hit the heights. Of, if Parramatta can start putting away the games that they need to put away, they'll... There'll be a level of consistency and confidence that that breeds that will hold them in good stead at the semis. At, at the moment, you just don't know which Paramount is sometimes going to show up. That second half against the Tigers last week was terrible, and they continued it on. They were 18-0 down, and Matt Dufty tore us to shreds. You know, Saints' edge defence was really good, held off Parramatta. But Parra made a lot of errors. It's a sloppy performance. And, and whilst Parra won the second half 12-8, it was only after Gutho scored late when Saints were reduced to 12 with Tarek Sims being sin, sin-binned, for, you know, because they were holding them down and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, and I thought Tarek Sims has been playing brilliant as well. He's been doing really well. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm now a believer in the Saints. I was wrong. I think they'll make the eight now. They, they, they look like they're playing for Anthony Griffin. They look happy. Andrew McCulloch has proven to be fan-bloody-tastic. I was wrong. I am not surprised. Better than Cam McInnes. He's been great. I've always saw Andrew McCulloch as the heartbeat of that Broncos team. He's a poor, he was a poor man's Cameron Smith. He has nous. He knows. He's got good awareness. He's a good ball player. And he does control the tempo a little bit. And he never misses tackles. He's always been quite an underrated player, I felt. but um, So he's been a great signing. How far can Saints go? I'm not talking about Para. Para, if you listen, get stuffed. Go. I was, I was going to say, I didn't think Para was that bad. I just thought... Saints were a little bit too, how can I say, like almost had too much danger with the ball. I don't know, man. I think Dufty is, and Norman have been sensational. Jack Bird ran an amazing line on the first pass to where Dufty just came in through that cutout ball and hit him. He just ran a fantastic line. and It's in our head, mate. It's in our head. We need to start showing up for these games. We need to play. You think so? We need to play at a consistently high level all the time. Well, I do think that Corey Norman was fired up. He was involved in a couple of last second. I it's his contract Saints year. Had... They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make the mistake of signing him for three years at eight hundred grand a year. You watch, and then he's gonna be terrible probably. till he's thirty four. That is probably true. But if you're basing it on this year alone, you'd probably sign him for that much. I thought Saints' defensive line and their defense was quite desperate. I thought Para actually didn't play that bad, but Saints they were they defended just well. cut them off or just you know there was they were there in numbers to stop some of. I thought Para's some of Para's um, attack was a bit predictable at times. And I think the Dragons have got the attitude this year to handle it quite well. I think last year probably would have worked on them. Like you say, they look happier. You know, I thought Para was trying to bust the line, but I thought. 
Saints just have a little bit more confidence, like you say, in their ability to in defence. It's a, it's a different team this year. The the Dufty penalty try just, I mean, that's just speed and skill. Adam Clue, I don't want to talk about the outside it. inside. I don't want to talk about and it. And then just mate, he went through a gap. He's he's Ryan Pappenheisen light, um, Dufty, and just his speed and he's got some skill. He's got a mistake or two in him, but. He wins your games. We spoke about him last year. How much more have we got on this? How much more analysis have we got on this game? Well, a, a bit. Oh, God damn it. You know, Zach Lomax has come on. He's playing even better last year. Last year's giving him the confidence. Saints are looking better. As much as it pains me to say, Saints are looking better. They'll be a top eight side. If the Raiders have all these injuries and the Knights have all these injuries, you know, they'll they'll be there or thereabouts. They'll be in that sixth, seventh race. I thought the Papalihi try was really good. I love the fact that Brown charged at the line and then put him right through a gap. He was really running a great line. and um, He's been our best player this year. You know what? I did see one issue with Parra's attack is they were playing, trying to play expansively, but their halves aren't direct enough. I think Moses needs to get back to running the ball a little bit. He's he's really good when he well, runs he the ball. Well, he lets Dylan Brown do it, right? So he doesn't let Dylan Brown do any of the playmaking and lets him do all the running. They just got to even it out a bit more. Yeah, I agree with you because I find that Moses is taking a back seat and he's, like you said, he's probably trying to be the like the playmate, playmaking half, but the defense is just sagging off him. Yeah. And they're numbering up to his outside runners. So he's not actually creating space because they know he's not running anymore. He's barely run the ball. I think Parrot needs a little bit of that directness. I think when Gutho scored at the end, that was Brown taking charge of running the ball and being aggressive with the ball, which made a difference. Like I said, I did love the Brown to Papalihi try. Papalihi, geez, what a signing. Oh, yeah, great, great signing for us. Shit, man, Saints' defence. Yeah, they were really good. They were desperate. They were desperate. Goal line, desperate defence. And just Dufty, he's now got players around him that are playing well as well. So he's adding to the team rather than trying to make the win on his own, which I thought last year he did at times. But now you've got Norman engaged, you've got Clune, you've got McCullough playmaking from half hooker. Zach Lomax has taken a step forward. Jack Bird's hit, running some really good lines and running hard. Ravalawa's actually playing really well this year too. And Cody Ramsey's a really fast young winger that they got that is quite dangerous on the wing as well. So well, Saints have got the Warriors this week. Yeah, they, I think they'll, they'll, they'll get Saints that. Saints are going to make the they eight. They might make the eight, yeah. For sure. Yep. They're better than these other teams because they their talent is actually engaged this I think year. The, I, think the, I, think the, the, I think the charity shield scared everyone off, but I, I agree with you. I think they're, they're, I'm a believer in Saints now. All right, let's let's move on because I want to... Oh, I've got one other oh, question. get stuffed. Yes. Gutho, do you think his game was hampered by the suction cupping that he obviously had during the week? All right, moving on to round six. <laughs> He didn't notice the big round. I I, I did. No, I don't think his game was hampered by it. Okay, just thank you. You never know; these physios can be dangerous. I, I love what you see on a footy game. I love the, the bits that you spot. You don't you don't notice anyone missing a tackle or playing defence, but if someone's been suction cupped, you're like all over it. Oh yeah, it's it's really it's important. It's the stuff you notice. It's... So speaking of hairstyles, you know Ryan Pappenheisen. Yeah. I think we might have discussed this before, but doesn't he look like? A supporting actor in a bad '80s movie. He could he could have played the Kurt Russell with role the and the, in the Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, but not like Kurt Russell. It's kind of doesn't have the stature. He's kind of like the sidekick that Kurt has the dodgy the mullet. Asian well. guy, Miao Yin. Oh, the Asian guy that used to be in all the yes. movies. That was always in the. Um, he was always the bad guy. The guy that had the balding, long hair and the the big yeah. mo. He was always a villain. I can't remember his name. I've got to look him up. Ryan Pappenhausen as David Lopan. Ryan Pappenhausen. As David Lopan. Lopan. Yeah, he, he... I don't know. He's just got that look. He's like a, a bad 80s movie extra. 
All right, so moving on to round six. Uh, first up on Thursday night is the blockbuster game between the Broncos and the Panthers. The Panthers are $1.03 favourites. The Broncos are $12. The Broncos have 25.5 points start, and it won't be enough. Is, is there anything to discuss in this game? The Panthers are going to kill them. Um, They are going to kill them. I guess the only thing to discuss is that Brody Croft's back and Anthony Milford, after apparently playing his most fantastic game this year, <laughs> I just dropped. Well, you know what I love? How, how stupid does he think people are? They're like, they didn't see the game? I mean, I don't get it. All right. It'll be interesting. The next game, let's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to skip over the... Thursday night's game because I think the Panthers are going to kill them. If we move on to Friday, we've got a couple of decent games there. The early kickoff is the Knights versus the Sharks. The Sharks are $1.50 favourites, but I think, I'm not sure how they're going to react after the turmoil of this week. The Knights are $2.60 with a lot of injuries, and the Knights have five and a half points start. You know, if they hadn't, if all this coaching stuff hadn't happened, I'd favour the Sharks, but now I'm not so sure. And by the way, late breaking news has just come through. Josh Hannay has been named the coach for the rest of the season. He was an assistant, oh, is that he was right? an assistant coach there. Okay, um, well, I'd imagine Josh Hannay would have some kind of relationship or a good relationship with the players considering he was the assistant coach. I'm like you, I would have, I was definitely going to tip the Sharks. I don't know now, like, I mean, how to, I, I think it's, this is a toss of the coin, as they say now, because I think the Sharks have been playing better. The Knights have had too many injuries to sort of build any combinations, even though their players are starting to come back slowly, but they've had no game time together, really. Um... I'm not sure. I don't know what version of the Sharks turns up. Are they going to be, you know, d- d- disappointed with how it's all played out and actually mentally just not quite be there, which means I think the Knights will beat them. Maybe not easily, but, you know, are they, or are they going to be able to sort of get over it and come out and perform mentally switched on? I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. This I, is too, too tight to call now for me, but um, I, think, I think if you're a betting person, though, I think $2.60 on the Knights now is probably good value. I would probably take the Knights because of what's happened with John, John Morris. It's been such a debacle. I can't. I can see the Knights having that off week. Well, but they're experienced players. And Blake Green's there, Kurt Man, yeah, Bradman. They are experienced players, but you know, it's an emotional thing. Uh, Bradman Best is back. Callum Ponger's got another week belt now. Connor Watson's back to lock, which I like. You know what? I think I'm going to go the Knights solely because of the. Not because I think they're better, solely because of what's happened um, during the week with John. Straight Morris. out, I'm leaning towards the Sharks, but I think I think the Knights are good value at two dollars sixty. The eight pm Friday night kickoff is a blockbuster game between the Storm and the Roosters. The Storm are a dollar thirty five favourites. The Roosters are three dollars twenty five. The Roosters have eight and a half points start. I think the Storm will win this game. I think the Roosters are incredible value at three dollars twenty five. I was going to say that's long that's odds. long odds for the Roosters. But I think, but I think the Storm will win this game. I think the Storm will win this game. I think the Storm will win. I, I mean, their team is just chockers. Honestly, it's fantastic, and their players, George Jennings and Remus Smith, are starting to form a combination on that side of the field as well, which I think is really important, so they can attack on both sides. And honestly, Remus Smith is an upgrade on Brinko Lee. George Jennings not so much on Vunivalu, but you can see him playing with a lot more confidence now. At our car, Munster's been sensational. Harry Grant gives him a change of pace off the bench. Ben Marshke is starting this week at Hooker, so it'll be interesting to see what he does in a you know in a full game. He's better than Freddie Lassie, yeah. so I thought. Adam Kieran's back on the bench, so they got a little bit of um, something to throw throw at Melbourne the halves, if you know, or a, a, as a substitute to bring something different. And but you know they've got a good team: Lindsay Collins and that butcher Isaac Liu. 
Are you going to go through every player? Tupanua, Radley's going to... No, Victor Radley's... You are going through every player. going to be a little bit better. I am, but no, I'm... Uh, Melbourne. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, if we move on to Not So Super Saturday, we've got the top-of-the-table clash between Manly and the Titans. Titans are $1.50 favourites. Manly are $2.60. Manly have six points head start. I think the Titans will get this. If the Titans want to play the eight, if the Titans want to play in the eight, they have to win this game. I agree with that. I think if you want to make the eight, they are going to make the eight because the other teams are so bad. But if you want to have some kind of chance of winning a game in the semis, this is a team they should beat. Trebojevic is back. So now you look at Manly's back line, it looks like it's got a little bit more punch. But honestly, the Titans, if they play like they did last week, I can't see Manly matching them. They don't have the firepower to do so. But it'll be interesting to see how they look with, with Tommy Turbo back. And if that makes them a little bit more confident in attack, Manly. So, But if the Titans throw the ball around and play their football, Titans football, honestly, I can't see how Manly matches Manly's them. right edge is terrible. Like, do Manly have 30 points in them? Well, they don't. They don't for Matt. No, they don't. They don't. So to win this game, they've got to keep... They've really got to keep the Titans down to two or three tries. And that's the other thing, right? If, if the Titans come out passing and throwing the ball around, can can Manly hold them to three tries or two tries? I think there's only been three or four occasions this year where a team scored 20 points and lost. That's the magic number. If you can get to 20 points, you win more games than you lose, basically. I think I think there's only a few few occasions. So in five in 40 games there's been three occasions. So it's less than 10%. So I, I don't think I don't think I don't know that Manly can stop the Titans from scoring 20 points. So I, th- I think the Titans will get this, even though the game's being played at a half redeveloped Brookvale. All right, if we move on, All if right. we move on to I'll the, go Titans. If, yeah, as well. if we move on to the second game of Not So Super Saturday, it's the evenly matched Souths versus Tigers. Souths are a dollar twelve, and the Tigers are six dollars fifty, and the Tigers have sixteen points start. Ty- the Tigers will be motivated for this game. Adam Dewey he's playing against his old club. Having said that, Souths are going to win this. <laughs> It's got, you know what? It's got it to that point where it's like South Tigers. Okay, what's your analysis? Oh, don't worry, South will win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like there's um, nothing the Tigers. I'll tell you score. one thing: the Tigers. Well, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be motivated. They're going to be motivated. They will be. Week. But you know what? T. We talk about this all the time. Their backline isn't that bad. But if you look at the way they played this year, have they ever really looked that dangerous? And they've got Roberts, Snow, Faluma, Laurie. Um, he like to be honest, they've been pretty ordinary, and they, they have some. I don't power. think it's a great backline. I don't think it's great, but I mean it's better than what they've shown, or at least I think you on paper it is. Buddy, I I, I think it's some of its second rate talent, right? Unfortunately, I, oh, they can't beat South. Like God, look at South's side: Cody Walker's back, Graham Gagai, Johnston, Mansour, Mitchell, and if they dished out what they dished out against the Cowboys, they got no, no chance, chance of. No chance at all. Like, their team's just... And do you know what? They're not agile enough in the forwards. They've got Tamao. Stefano is starting this week. But they've got Joe Offahengawi now as a back rower. Lucian Leilua, Alex Tuol. That's a big, big pack, right? It's a massive pack. A very big pack. He likes those big boppers. Yeah, but do they have the agility to... Probably not. ...match a Cameron Murray? Like, probably Probably not, right? Probably not. or even Jaden Sua, who's quite agile. South's forwards are a bit undersized, so they need a fast game. The, 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 the tact- okay, so if you want some analysis, the only chance Tigers have got in this game is to slow this game right down. Kick to touch, hold them down in the tackles, 
just turn it into a bit of a slugfest because it doesn't favour the South's forwards. That's funny because I don't think anybody would play that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but I, but, I, but you just don't have the talent, right? So if this game's played 100 times, I think South's win it 95 times, right? Yeah. All right. So if we move on to the last game of Super Saturday, it's the Raiders versus Parramatta. The Raiders are $1.54 favourites. Parramatta's $2.50 outsiders. Parramatta's only got a four-point head start, though. I think Parra's good value at $2.50. But I, but I might be saying that as a fan. With Charles Nickel Clockstead at out. Yes. I think that makes a big difference to the Raiders team. I, our problem, I think, Parramatta's problem is going to be scoring on the Raiders. I don't think this will be a high-scoring game. I don't think either team's attacking particularly well. I actually agree with that a lot because I don't think Parra, you look at their back line and you look at the Raiders, they kind of even each other out. They're kind of solid. They're fast enough. But there's no one there that you'd kind of look at and say they're individually a really dangerous player, if that makes sense. So they, they, they match up well defensively, you know, against each other's attack. So, and you know, Gutho, he, he's brilliant at following the play and involving himself. I don't know how effective that is against a team like the Raiders, though, because they're quite solid everywhere across the field. So, you know, you think about that, I think you're right. I think it probably will be a lower-scoring game. But I will be interested to see how Caleb Aikens goes at fullback. They signed him from Penrith. He was one of their younger guns as well, sitting around in reserve. But he wasn't a fullback. And Will Smith. He wasn't a fullback. I think Will Smith. No, he wasn't. I think Will Smith would do well. Will Smith was great for us when he came in when Mitchell Moses got concussed and knocked out. Yeah, I think um, it'll be interesting to see how the halves pairing of Smith and Moses goes. And Reed Marnie still playing good every still week. Still playing great. And I thought, you know what? I thought Bryce Cartwright had some flashes last week. He did. Week. He did. He also he also had some shockers. He, but that's Bryce Cartwright, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings to this game. But two dollars fifty is good value. Yeah, it's a hard one to call. Two dollars fifty. Yeah, I'm like you. I'm with you. If I was betting, I would probably put money on Para. I think it's going to be a tight game. I'm going to tip the Raiders solely because they're at home. But this is a hard game to pick. Yeah, I agree. Like. But I do think it'll be close and, like you say, low scoring. I agree with you on that. Okay, so we move on to the Sunday games. There's no longer a 6 p.m. Sunday kickoff. So the first kickoff on the Sunday game is 2 p.m. and it's the Saints versus Warriors. The Saints are at home. The Saints are $1.45 favourites and the Warriors are $2.75. And the Warriors have six and a half points start. Again, I think Saints will win this. I don't think. I think. I don't think the Warriors have enough points in them the way they're playing. No, I, I th- and I think that's the issue. I think you've summed it up. The way they're playing, the best game of football they played was against the Raiders when they were down by 20. And, and, and they started and, throwing the And the Raiders around. had to completely redo their back line. Curtis Scott was out there with a busted rib on the right edge. They were. They, they, they were playing against a busted team, but the fact is they did throw the ball around and actually chance their In own. the last 30 and minutes. that's the best they've looked. And Roger Tuivasa, Cher Cat, probably had the best 30 minutes of any player this year. Turned into yeah. Thanos. Yeah, correct. <laughs> it destroyed, destroyed everything. Um, but, you know, but that was their best looking half of football all year when they decided... That's they what so Ennis Cantor said on Twitter when Brooklyn, when the Nets got LaMarcus Aldridge. He goes, who's left for the Brooklyn Nets to get? Thanos? Jesus, who's... <laughs> hey, he's not far he was off. bloody right. We killed them. The Lakers killed them. Because none of them defend. Warriors. No, they don't because they're like, we could score Correct. 200 points. It's okay. The thing is, they can back it up. What about the defensive rating of the starting lineup of KD, Kyrie, James Harden, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Bla- Blake Griffin? They're going to concede 200 points. That is like the... Manly and Bulldogs defense of two 
21. The problem is their attack is like... The Panthers. Their attack is like the Panthers at Melbourne. Every game's like 50 to 40. Every game, yeah. fifty. It's, it's Super League, yeah. 50 to 48. But on that tangent, I I just don't think they're gonna throw enough at the at the dragons, and you know what? The dragons are playing with high confidence as well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they was defensively solid, and Para threw a lot more at them than the Warriors. Will. Can, can so, I just say, goal line defense a lot of the time is attitude. So if you've got good goal line yeah. defense, it means you've got really good attitude because you're covering for each other. That was a really good sign for Saints last week. It was. I, like I said, I I didn't think Para were brilliant, but I didn't think they were bad. I thought the dragons were desperate, and um. The Warriors won't throw enough at them, and the Dragons are playing with some confidence in attack as well. Like Jack Bird, Zach Lomax, Corey Norman, Dufty. They've got some strike power, actually. And watch out for Michaela Ravalawa trying to put someone else into their early grave this week. Yeah. Oh. Every week, he like yeah, cleans somebody up with a legal hit and nearly kills them. Yeah, correct, them. correct. But then someone's going to get him one day, and they're going to fucking put him into orbit. So it happened every yeah. week. All right, so we move on to the to the ratings blockbuster for Channel Nine on a Sunday at four p.m., what, which is clearly the game of the round. <laughs> this will be an amazing game. I'm very much looking forward to this. Do you think Channel Nine's thinking of just, um, you know, when you used <laughs> to get the sorry, you know, uh, we don't, we can't only transmit pattern. at the moment due to technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah. they're just gonna cut the holy cut the crap. Signal. North Queensland Cowboys versus the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. The Cowboys are $1.50. Bulldogs are $2.60. The Bulldogs have six points head start. I think I think the Cowboys will win. I th- you've, you've scored 34 points in five games. Where are the points going to come from? They're not going to come from anywhere. It's 6.8. 6.8 points a game. Eight points a game. I mean, like... We have no speed and not much creativity. And then you've got Dylan Napa, Katoa and Hetherington who are actually quite big, but they're leaving a lot of gaps in the middle of the field. The Cowboys are going to exploit that. And to be honest, with Felt, Holmes, Drinkwater and Hampton, they've got enough pace to take advantage of is it. Is Tom Malolo back? Yes, he is. So I think he'll be fired up. I think he will be. And I think they'll miss um, the hammer a little bit. But too much firepower, I think, this week. I think one person I've been disappointed in in terms of a purchase is Corey Waddell. I thought he'd... Why are you disappointed in Corey Waddell? I mean... Because he's been below first grade level. Your whole team has been below first grade level. Good point. Why are you singling out Corey Waddell when Dylan Napa's there? Oh, I think I've singled out Dylan enough. In fact, I'm willing to just stick him in a car and drop him off somewhere and And Nick Kotrick. Oh, his defensive reads are... On the wing or the centre, he either comes out when there's already seven defenders there or he stays out when there's no defenders yeah, I know, I know. He's awful. Yeah, just terrible. He is awful. Terrible. Cowboys, to be honest, I think um, Drinkwater would have taken some confidence out of last week's game. They won, which helps. It always, you know, winning games helps a little bit. And I, I just think that'll help them. I, I like the move of Cohen Hess back to prop. I think that actually takes away some of his liability in defence when he's on the fringe. And they're a little bit more mobile, the Cowboys. I think they'll be a little bit too good. Yep, I, I agree. All right. That brings us to the end of another GNT NRL show. Thank you once again for joining us. And thank you, Jeeve, my co-host with the most. No problem. I will work on getting even more than the most next week. Excellent. All right, well, take See care. You, See you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>